0: Good morning, I'm Lauren Anders Brown, an independent documentary filmmaker. Being behind the camera in over 40 countries has resulted in hours, days, terabytes of footage. So much of what happens to make a shoot possible ends up on the metaphorical cutting room floor. Most of my editing used to take place in planes, trains, or whatever available coffee shop had a decent filter, single origin coffee, and always using the hashtag today's office. Now, I'm picking up the scraps, reviewing old interviews, and scrolling through my social media to give you a behind-the-scenes look at what it is like to travel, produce, film, direct, record, alone, as my own correspondent. I was in Amman in Jordan, boarding my flight to Beirut, a bit defeated, but also a bit relieved. It was January in 2019, a new year and a start on a new documentary. But my 10 days in Jordan didn't yield much more than that. And snow. A lot of snow. Enough snow that made this northeastern American cringe in the backseat of a car, being bravely driven by my Iraqi friend Ali the night before boarding my flight to Beirut. Hence, the relief I felt on the skywalk. I wasn't exactly 100% convinced the night before I was going to make that flight. The defeat I felt was due to experiencing my first unsuccessful shoot where I couldn't convince any compelling contributors to speak with me. I'm not going to blame it on the fact that there were two freak snowstorms in the Middle East during that time, but remembering the swerving across the roads in Jordan made me reevaluate my idea of success. I was alive after all. And ready to land in Lebanon and start a new filming. But first, I had to get through immigration. Power walking past the black and white photo exhibit of old Lebanon through the years, on my dash to the front of the queue, I passed by some women lined up along the wall in the airport. They weren't on my flight, and I figured they were from a corresponding flight that had arrived, which seemed to be from Ethiopia. I didn't have time to stop and learn more, although I wanted to, And with a stamp in my passport later, I was back in Beirut. Of all the places I have been in the world, Beirut is somewhere I instantly feel comfortable. The high rising buildings beside the sea sit well with me as a New Yorker, along with the late nights and the street food. Possibly the only thing better than the falafel in Beirut is having a friend to enjoy the falafel with. I was lucky enough to have that friend. Her name was Zaina, and I had met her while we were both at Oxford. She's a woman who gets things done, which is probably why we get along so well. And I know that, despite my false start of filming in Jordan, I'd be in better hands in Lebanon. With my flight followed the snow, so I stayed in Beirut that Friday, introducing myself to some of Zaina's colleagues and sharing the stories I was looking to capture. It was about to be the weekend after all, and much work wouldn't get done. But I could do the next best thing, build relationships over good meals, with good company. Zainas always showed me some lovely Lebanese hospitality and took myself, my producer Megan, and my partner Ed who was visiting to a dinner that evening that was filled with food that had more spices on it than people were dining in the restaurant. Paprika on the potatoes, zaatar, or thyme as we call it, on the Arabic bread made for a culinary celebration fit to celebrate my birthday. With a big glass of Becca Valley Lebanese wine, I filled Zaina in on the documentary I was co-directing on Syrian identity. As it happened, during that snowstorm, my co-director Ali was on the other side of the mountains in Syria, filming at the exact same time I was in Jordan and Lebanon. He ended up getting different stories than the ones we had planned for, which meant I then had to adjust and get different stories in Lebanon. Zaina thought it best that I join her colleagues next week on their trips into the field, pending no further snowstorms. I assured her I had had my fill of driving through snowstorms in the Middle East and agreed I'd keep to Beirut on the days we couldn't get out to the Becca Valley. The Beka Valley is where the wine in my glass came from. It's also the largest area for Syrian refugees in Lebanon who set up makeshift shelters amongst the vines. A very sobering reality. Lebanon is host to the largest amount of Syrian refugees per capita at 1.5 million. Combined with a declining economy and inefficient government of ministers, It has made Lebanon a prime place for the revolution the country is currently experiencing. Over some of the best baklava in Beirut, I asked Zaina how I could help support her work. She was giving so much to me, opening up doors to help me find stories. I wanted to have some of those stories be ones that mattered to her. She told me the human rights program her organization runs for migrant domestic workers was running out of funding. It seemed a bit misplaced. A country with a crippling economy, had some of their more well-to-do household employing workers from overseas. And to add insult to injury, they were abusing their human rights. I immediately understood what that line of women was at immigration. And before I would head back to the Beirut airport, on my last day, I'd fit in some filming on this big issue. I was picked up in a car by a chatty woman named Batul, who whips through the streets of Beirut like she could do it blindfolded, although, I was really grateful that she wasn't. She picked up some falafel, because nothing happens in the Middle East without food first, and brought us up to the support center for migrant domestic workers. I've been in plenty of rooms set up as safe spaces or education purposes in the field, so I was familiar with the simple setups, but this one was pretty different. It had desks, even computers, along one side of the wall. And the most unique aspect of the center was the room dedicated to hairstyling and sewing. Before we got to dig into the falafel, Batul kindly sat in front of my camera to help me understand why this space was so special. Introduce mm.
1: yourself. Yes, I'm Batul Fneesh. Uh, I'm the field coordinator uh, at Amal Association uh, under the Migrant Domestic Workers uh, Program. And why is
0: this program important here in
1: Lebanon? Uh, the migrant domestic workers in Lebanon are uh, are much vulnerable. They are having many uh, many problems and facing many difficulties uh, during their work here. Uh, so our proper, our program here comes uh, with I, with the level of services and empowerment uh, to to enhance uh, and help them. Uh, to, uh, to succeed in, in their living here. And also the empowerment is for when they go back to their country so they can take with them something there. They can open their new business once they are empowered for some uh, talents. And
0: what is the best part of your job?
1: The best, the best part of my job is that uh, the contact, the direct contact with the migrants themselves. Uh, it's heartbreaking. Uh, at the same time, it's a uh, very, uh, very nice and uh, very challenging experience. Uh, our program is not easy. It's, uh, it, it faces a lot a lot of uh, challenges. Um, to reach and to outreach for the migrants um, is the highest challenge. Uh, Also, uh, facing uh, with the employers uh, some problems and to convince the employers uh, because, you know, there is uh, no regulations, no law, it's under kafala. Uh, Also uh, dealing with the government to voluntarily return the the migrants, Uh, all things are not easy. Uh, Plus, uh, we have a major issue that we're going to work on this year, uh, is that uh, when an irregular migrant domestic worker is uh, facing health problems, uh, she can't enter uh, the hospitals because she's irregular. Uh, The health insurance doesn't cover uh, her case because of her status so we're trying to push to to differentiate between the two things and uh, the second thing you know if she needs her rights and she's also irregular so the the, gov- the general security see her as a guilty pe- person either if she's a traffic victim of trafficking they see her a guilty person because she's irregular uh, but it's not logic, and uh, she does need like a uh, part of time to uh, to to present herself and to present what what she was uh, suffering from. Yeah. Um, and
0: then, last question in regards to human rights: Why do you feel this program is so important?
1: Uh, because in, in our program we are doing the advocacy uh, to, uh, to be away from the kafala system and to uh, maybe have uh, a special law or to, for them to be under the labor law. Uh, this, uh, this would be under the human rights, also would be economically benefit, benef- the government would benefit uh, economically from this. Uh, Plus our program uh, is doing the services, uh, health, social, psychosocial and uh, legal. So in the legal part, many, many migrants are stuck in Lebanon. Uh, So here uh, it comes that we help them to voluntarily return to their uh, countries some of them have difficult uh, problems in health or uh, with uh, difficult situations with their family outside. Uh, also, we help them to access uh, to our clinics in Amel because they are, for the, for the irregular, they can't uh, enter the hospitals. Uh, so, so, we are helping in vital issues and life-threatening issues. Also, we are working on victims of trafficking, uh, identifying victims of trafficking, and there is a lot in Lebanon. Uh, we're collaborating uh, with this with the IOM um, to identify victims of trafficking, and that triple R, uh, so repatriation, resettlement, and reintegration in their countries. Yeah. I don't
0: have any other questions. Is there anything else you
1: want to say? Um, Um, Maybe I'll speak about the center or? Sure. Okay. Uh, and the empowerment part, uh, we are uh, opening the center on uh, Sundays because it's the only day that they t- that they can take it off day. Uh, and the success that we are having here, that we are having many living domestic workers. So the employers are trusting in, uh, in us, and they are uh, tr- they are getting our awareness sessions uh, for the rights and duties according to the Convention 189 of the mining domestic workers. So they are giving them their day off and uh, they are trusting to uh, to uh, to send them here Uh, And also, the migrants from themselves, they are preferring to come here, not any other places, because they they really want to uh, build their careers. Uh, As we are giving here economic uh, empowerment classes, uh, like uh, sewing, fashion design, uh, makeup, uh, hairdressing. Also, another success story is in the hairdressing. The instructor of the hairdressing is uh, an Ethiopian lady, so it's a peer-to-peer education uh, which they are very happy and they are very motivated to to be like her and to reach uh, and to be like um, um, having advantage of this center, either from the income side and for them. Uh, And we also are giving language classes, computer classes, as technology is going on. So they are much interested in the language classes and computer classes to build their career. And maybe when they go back to their countries, they can find easily new jobs. Thank you. Amazing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Kafala law is something I had never heard of before. And after all the parts I loved about Lebanon, it gave me some insight into how far Lebanon still has to go in regards to human rights. Hearing from the heads of these programs is really important and helpful for me to understand as much as possible before I begin speaking with the contributors or participants of the programs. In this case, her name was Tigis. She was a migrant domestic worker from Ethiopia, and she was really excited to tell me about why this program matters so much to her. Do you, do you learn, do you know what um, human rights are? Do you know your rights? Of course, and, of course. And do you feel uh, like your rights are protected here?
1: Of course, yeah, it is very good. Yeah. Maybe this centre it is very important for me. Because I uh, also uh, go amal association Ethiopia. fee another girl come in, now contacted contact the girls Ethiopia uh, like family. Maybe something happen, I tell for her. Oh, I'm Lebanese, Lebanon horn and me long um, years. But center like family for me. For I'm not pass for I'm not like pass for me uh, for all girls. Um, maybe not someone's but not paper without paper when you go uh, country ethiopia we we'll see have a lawyer help girls and also
0: it's good and so my flying visit ended with batool nearly flying us in her car to the airport to make our flight home to london traffic in lebanon is notoriously bad and so we had to leave while still eating our falafel We chatted with Petul all the way to the airport, and then learned, aside from our flight, she had a deadline of her own, her final submissions for her master's course. But, as is usual, in Lebanon, nothing is too much trouble to help those that need it, even if it lands you in rush hour traffic with a hard deadline. I left Lebanon, but Lebanon never really left me. I returned three more times after that trip last year, including during the start of the revolution. It is a place filled with people I love, and yet it is hurting more than ever at this very moment. Please take a look at my friend Zaina's organization, Amel Association International. I consider donating to them as they continue their work for all that are in need after the Beirut blast at Amel, that's org. You can also watch the immersive film I made with Amel called Gender and Conflict on my YouTube page if you want to walk the shoes of a Syrian refugee in the Beka Valley. And that's it for today. Back next week with more from my correspondent. Do join me.